for tuning in to the Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. They Call Me Grace by Barbara Smith. She was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, November 12, 1929, into an affluent family only one generation away from immigration from Ireland. When children are born into our homes, we have no idea what they will do, who they will become, or what their personalities will be like. If we did, we would name them accordingly. After all, doesn't every parent troll through every book of names for babies the moment they find out that they're expecting? However, in this case, they seem to have hit the nail on the head. After a normal childhood, could it be called that, with gold prize Olympic athletes in her lineage, wealthy contractor and later politician for a father, teacher for a mother, and screenwriters, directors of cinema and dramatics for uncles? However, after her childhood, she completed college herself in 1949. She then embarked on her acting career, which, though she became quite renowned, only lasted for six years, after which she retired at the ripe old age of 26 years old. In her short career of six years, she starred in over 13 films and received many awards and accolades, including a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. What could be better than a successful acting career, you might ask? This answer may not apply to all and may not be the first thing that comes to your mind, but for her, it was to marry a prince, of course, because, believe it or not, this is a true story, and they called her Grace. In 1956, Grace Kelly married Prince Rainier III of Monaco in a civil ceremony lasting for 16 minutes in the throne room of Monaco, followed by an elaborate reception attended by thousands. Monaco is the second smallest sovereign city-state in the world, with the Vatican City being the smallest. Monaco is one of the wealthiest countries today and is ruled by their son, Prince Albert II. They also had two daughters. Grace began her philanthropic work shortly after their seven-week-long honeymoon and stayed involved and engaged in the work of a princess until her death. Some of what she is known for is being president of the Red Cross of Monaco, involved in the Garden Club of Monaco, International Art Foundation Committee of Monaco, and a patron of the Rainbow Coalition, a children's orphanage. She also founded Ahmad Mondali, an organization for children's well-being, known for its non-discriminatory values, which has spread to several continents. 
after many visits to her homeland ireland with prince rainier the third she bought her ancestral home there she died at the early age of fifty-two years old due to a cerebral hemorrhage which occurred while driving leading her to an auto accident where she sustained multiple injuries from which she could not recover grace kelly had stated i would like to be remembered as someone who accomplished useful deeds and who was a kind and loving person i would like to leave the memory of a human being with a correct attitude and who did her best to help others that is indeed how she is remembered she left a powerful legacy of work accomplishments and acts of kindness wherever she went she helped those who could not help themselves every actress envies her and wants to be like her and many have played her in movie roles about her she was the epitome of beauty poise style fashion design talent and is still cited today by modern designers and filmmakers she still inspires new fashion and has pieces of clothing handbags foundations hospitals and libraries named after her she was authentic and could be known as someone who was the whole package or the real deal and they called her grace we have probably seen one variation or another of a movie where a prince goes as a commoner to a faraway place where he will not be known he wants to fit in and be accepted for who he is without them knowing of his status as a prince or of his true wealth and heritage these shows are very prevalent on the hallmark channel with of course the addition to the story of him falling in love with a girl next door type she of course is never good enough for him according to his parents and the country he is from something awful is always scripted in as in the harlequin romances from back in the day it must get worse before it gets better and then it comes to a beautiful heart-warming ending that works out for the good of all the characters involved this of course was not grace kelly's story because she in fact knowingly married an actual prince however this was our story genesis one one tells us that in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth as most of us have read the entire chapter goes on to tell us how everything was created what where how and who and then it states that it was perfect it was called the garden of eden eden being a hebrew word meaning joy delight or a place of pleasure it was created perfect for a purpose and that was so that god could commune with his creation in this beautiful perfect place he created them so they would enjoy his presence and want to spend time with him of their own free will they did not know the difference between good and evil and there was not a need for them to know god in fact tried to protect them from it by instructing them regarding all the trees in the garden including the tree of life of which they could eat freely and of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which they could not eat of or they would die this was part of his plan to allow them to meet and commune with him on a continual basis which they did daily in the cool of the evening the scripture tells us until their disobedience to the one do not though they had so many do's notwithstanding the entire story of how it happened which was of no consequence at this point we will move forward in the story 
God could no longer meet with them in the same way. Sin separates from God, and sin is disobedience to the word, the commandments, and the nature of God. Therefore, they had to leave that beautiful, perfect place, and they did begin to die from that day forward as the consequences to this disobedience. The story of mankind represents us after the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. There are 25 scriptures in the Old Testament that declare some close version to they found grace in the sight of the Lord. Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Esau, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, the Israelites, David, servants and kings, and the list continues. However, these were an act upon request and for only a certain point in time. The blood of bulls and goats could only bring satisfaction to the wrath of God for their disobedience by rolling their sins ahead for a year. It could not expunge their wrongdoing, should I say our wrongdoing. Hebrews 10 verse 4 tells us this, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. It had to come through an act of selflessness and through someone pure. There was no one to be found that fit that criterion. God loves us so much, and He wanted to be loved by us, that He therefore made a plan by which He could redeem us. John 3.16 is that plan in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The virgin girl Mary was chosen by God to bear the child. After her initial surprise, confusion, and fear of hearing the news that she was going to have a baby, she probably had the same response as any young girl would. What in the world will I name him? However, the guesswork was taken out of it for her because the name was chosen by the baby's father, who was God, who is a spirit, that same spirit who had overshadowed her. The message from the angel was in Luke 2 to Mary and Matthew 1 to Joseph, who would be the caregiver, a.k.a. stepfather to the boy. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why, besides pure astonishment, were they satisfied with this name? Because it is a Hebrew word, Yeshua, meaning to deliver or to rescue. Gabriel the messenger affirmed this when he told Joseph he will save his people from their sins. He also set Mary's mind at ease when he told her, He will be of the throne of David, and of his kingdom there will be no end. From a parent's point of view, this was perfect. This is what we all want for our children, and his name would be fitting as we see his life unfold. At the appointed time, we know the story of Jesus, the birth in the manger. Luke 2 verse 40 tells us, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Philippians 2, 5-11 shows us how he came as a lowly human for the purpose of dying for us so that we could come back into relationship with him. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him 
the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore god also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which was above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father second corinthians eight verse nine says for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Romans 3 verses 20 through 26 states, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. We are the girl next door. He is our prince. He has brought us back to Eden, and we will have our wedding and marriage supper, a.k.a. reception, in the throne room with him someday soon. How do we get past the naysayers that constantly remind us that we are not worthy and that we are just commoners? We must retire from our acting careers and begin living like, looking like, acting like, and doing the work of a princess. They call it grace. An excerpt from Mark and Angel Chernoff from their book Getting Back to Happy called The Weight of the Glass illustrates how our lives are without grace and shows the difference that grace makes. It says, Twenty years ago when Angel and I were just undergrads in college, our philosophy professor taught us a lesson we've never forgotten. On the last day of class before graduation, she walked up on the stage to teach one final lesson, which she called a vital lesson on the power of perspective and mindset. As she raised a glass of water over her head, everyone expected her to mention the typical glass half empty or glass half full metaphor. Instead, with a smile on her face, our professor asked, how heavy is this glass of water that I'm holding up? Students shouted out their answers ranging from a couple of ounces to a couple of pounds. After a few moments of fielding answers and nodding her head, she replied, From my perspective, the absolute weight of this glass is irrelevant. It all depends on how long I hold it. If I hold it for a minute or two, it's fairly light. If I hold it for an hour straight, its weight might make my arm ache. If I hold it for a day straight, my arm will likely cramp up and feel completely numb and paralyzed, forcing me to drop the glass to the floor. In each case, the absolute weight of the glass doesn't change, but the longer I hold it, the heavier it feels to me. As most of us students nodded our heads in agreement, she continued, 
Your worries, frustrations, disappointments, and stressful thoughts are very like this glass of water. Think about them a little while and nothing drastic happens. Think about them a bit longer and you will begin to feel noticeable pain. Think about them all day long and you will feel completely numb and paralyzed, incapable of doing anything else until you drop them. God has made a provision for us so that we do not have to carry the weight of our worries, frustrations, disappointments, and stressful thoughts or sins ourselves. It is called grace. Webster's Dictionary tells us what grace is, unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification, a virtue coming from God, a state of sanctification enjoyed through divine assistance, or it could be approval, favor, or it could be mercy or pardon, a special favor, a privilege disposition to or an act of kindness courtesy or clemency a temporary exemption a reprieve we are granted a stay of execution not of our own merit but because of the blood that jesus shed in our stead romans six twenty three states for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord we can have peace and joy and Eden here on earth again, not because we have earned it, not because we are worth it, not because of our worth or because of our lineage, but because we take on his name in baptism as we see in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19. We were separated from God just like Adam and Eve, but we have become justified, sanctified, and married into his family whereby we become heirs with him. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 8 explains, But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ, that in the ages to come he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. There have been many royals who have married commoners. Sonia Haraldson, a commoner, has been married to Prince Harold for 51 years, and she became queen when he ascended to the throne of Norway in 1991. Prince Carl Gustav of Sweden married a hostess, Sylvia Summerleth in 1976. Rania, a marketer, became Queen of Jordan upon her marriage to Abdullah bin al-Hussein, the Vice President of Institutional Sales at the Deutsche Bank in New York City, became Queen of the Netherlands when she married Prince Wilhelm Alexander in 2002. Our story began with Grace Kelly, an actress, marrying Prince Rainier III in 1956. Their son, Prince Albert the second married Charlene Whitstock, an Olympic swimmer from South Africa, a commoner as well, in the year 2000. Prince William married Kate Middleton, an art history major at the University of St. Andrews in 2011. The list goes on, but the stories are the same. No, they did not deserve the position, and they were breaking with tradition. They were, and some still are, recipients of much criticism, but they became accepted 
exceptions to the rule because of their love for one another they were extended grace romans five verse eight states but god commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us we were common unclean and unworthy but he said i will pay the price i will break that tradition because i love them first peter one verse nine tells us that we have now become royalty but ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light noah and his family were saved from the flood the three hebrew children were spared from the fiery furnace rahab the harlot and her family were saved in the battle of jericho and later she was found in the lineage of the messiah a shepherd boy named david was anointed king of israel these along with many other stories that are listed in the scriptures are examples to us and how was this all possible how is it possible for us to be so blind then receive our sight for us to be so poor yet become so rich for us to be slaves but then to be set free for us to be so lost but then to be found for us to be so unlovable but still be loved they call it grace Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Until next time, God bless.